This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, afternoon and evening. This is the Stacey West Podcast. We're on episode 260. I am Gary Hutchinson. I am one of your hosts and I am joined today by Mr. Charlie Beeston. How are you doing, sir? I am very well, thank you. I've had a very long day. I've been helping a friend of mine move house. Uh, I uh, I got to his new place at something like quarter to 12 early because he says he was getting the keys at half 11 and to meet him there. We turn up and he goes, oh, they've not turned up with the keys yet. I'm like, oh, great. Five minutes later, he gets a phone call. Turns out he had to go and collect them from the office. <laughs> His car was full of stuff. So I just had to sit on a doorstep in Birchwood for an hour and a half in the freezing cold whilst he went and got the keys. So have you yeah. finished uni already? Yeah, I came back last weekend. I think I'm supposed to be there at the minute, but... What does that yeah, matter? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's only a degree, a law degree, yeah. isn't it? So, what does it, it don't matter? matter? Don't matter. The, I got my exam timetable of... today. I've only got two in January. It's fine. The wheels of justice will only sit in your hands <laughs> for the next forty years, you know. But you may as well just be yeah. at home, hadn't you? Uh, who, who cares about that when football's on? I had Accrington away on Tuesday night. That was more important than uh, any kind of lectures. Yeah, of course it was. Well, I've had an odd, <laughs> odd hour or two actually um because at this moment in time out in the pitch black uh at the end of my drive there is a damsel in distress who i have just left to come and do this podcast so there is a huge right. huge pothole has opened up on our road you know our road single yeah, track yeah. and it's big and it's deep it's in the middle i think it's about six inches oh. deep if you know it's there it's fine there's no rain out there now and all of a sudden uh, about an hour ago i was just working and i heard this almighty thud and then about two minutes later just this girl swearing so uh i popped outside to see what the commotion was and she smashed into this pot um going too quick on our road by the way uh, popped her tire smashed her wheel um all out of shape so kid in the car Nice oh. help you know you don't want to change the tire or whatever but she was just in she was just like i think because if i walk out of the dark um to anybody people there's a general distrust you know what i mean like especially if you're in the middle of nowhere if you if you walk out in the light i still think there's a general sense of distrust to be fair you wouldn't see me either way so Um, (laughs) if the sun was was shining i could have missed that ginger beard (laughs) um so yeah basically she's she's out there now with a kid in the car she's called her husband blocking my drive but it don't matter because i don't need to go anywhere but um i feel a little bit you know i mean like i should be helping but but if if they don't want their help what can you do (laughs) slow down isn't it you know know yeah yeah, exactly i I come down that road i mean i only come down it about once a week because i barely ever leave the house but you know there we go. Maybe, maybe I've done the wrong thing. Maybe I should be out there. Maybe I should have provided beverages and some light entertainment. Um, but whatever. I thought I'd come in this here. This is and the talk light to... entertainment. Yeah, I thought I'd come and talk to yeah. the nation. Well, yeah, a thousand people or so about Lincoln City Football Club. Um, what we are going to have to talk about, Charlie, you were there. Um, probably wish you weren't. Is the Accrington game. So, uh, Bristol Street Motors Trophy. Uh, success will elude us for a year because we were knocked out. Um, it's typical that we were knocked out against Accrington. That's 3-2 now to them, I think, in uh, in terms of Bristol Street Motors, CheckerTradeLeasing.com, Papa John Trophy eliminations. The first one that they've managed to do um, in 
well, I'd say in normal time. The first one they managed to do without penalties, but they still haven't beaten us in normal time in the competition um, <laughs> because it took a 94th minute absolute wonder strike. But let's strip it all the way back. Uh, the team selection, did it did it pique your interest at all? There was certainly a couple of things in there that um, piqued my interest. I think, first of all, the biggest thing that kind of jumped out to everybody was Mide Shadipo starting. Like, I've got to be honest, I think he's a player I would expect to be out of the door in January. You know, it's when his contract's up, I don't necessarily see it being renewed. So I was a little bit surprised to see him get a start, but more likely than not, he was going to get a start in that competition than in the league. So that's, that is what it is. And then Sean Rowan at left wing back, I think that's the other big one that kind of jumped out at me. Um, you know, why Jaden Brown, for example, couldn't have got minutes in that game, in that competition, in that position, I maybe would have chosen, but I'm sure that's something we'll go on to discuss. Um, but Sean Rowan at left wing back, I don't think he covered himself in all too much glory on Tuesday night. No, it's interesting because you've picked two players there who um, kind of had contrasting fortunes, I think, in the game. I mean, touching on me, Dave. I actually think the fact that he played could be an indication that Michael Scabala wanted to have a look at him. Um, mm-hmm. Rather than rather than over hacks, I thought Mide did really well. Actually, yeah. I thought that he looked lively, looked threat. He always does. I think he's been used um, sparingly over the last few months, which is is a little bit of a crying shame. I really like the lad. I liked him when he was yeah. alone last season. Um, but it, you know, it, unfortunately, it, it, it is what it is. It might. It looks like um, it looks like he might be going. But he played well. Sean Rowan at left wing back. We saw it a little bit under uh, Mark Kennedy, although that was a four at the back, so it was more of a kind of a left back, even though he was pushing on. Not Mark Kennedy, sorry, Michael Appleton. Um, but it looked like he was he was pushing on a little bit. I think it's the yeah. first time we've seen him properly at left back in the three. I might be wrong. Did he play there under Kennedy? No, he, he's played. He played there quite a little bit uh, last season. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Um, quite that often shows. Kind of filling in at left wing back, especially the second half of the season. Oh, well, that shows how um, how memorable it was. Yeah, I, 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 I thought. I'll be honest. I thought he looked uncomfortable. I thought he looked out of place. And I agree with you. Obviously, we've both just listened to Michael Scavala's, um pre-match interview for Reading, and he said Jaden Brown. They need to get minutes in him. It did seem a little bit of a strange answer, didn't it? Because if you want to get minutes in somebody, surely 30 at the end of a Bristol Street Motors game would have been a nice choice. But I suppose we went to a four at the back, so it wouldn't have mattered. But he wasn't even on the bench no. to, to to get on, was he? No, opting to play him in an under-21s fixture over the Bristol Street Motors, Motors Trophy game kind of confuses me a little bit. Um, he's obviously not necessarily too impressed with what he's seen from Jaden Brown so far, maybe. you know, And he'll just want to try and get some more minutes into him. Um, he did sort of allude to the fact that he was at least watching that under-21s game, so he at least did see 90 minutes of Jaden Brown. So I guess the future will kind of tell us whether or not he was impressed with that outing for him or, or not. Yeah, you see, I thought he did well, or did relatively well when he came on against Stevenage. I thought he looked yeah. a little lively, but then it wasn't hard to look lively against Stevenage. If you've got a bag of beige coins, the silver one plus stands out, even if it's notes and gold coins you want. So, um, yeah, not particularly hard. Um, we're, we're padding. We're seven minutes in, because to talk about the first half is going to be pretty hard. I mean, there isn't an awful lot to talk about. I thought it was two teams cancelling each other out. Mark, Mark, I keep, what am I on tonight? Uh, Michael Scabala, um, Michael Scabala basically said that he he felt that it was Accrington dragging us down, but I thought the performance was a little bit lethargic and a little bit, it was almost like we'd been sat waiting um, on deck chairs at the pitch for seven days for the game to go ahead, not having gone home and uh, and, and had a game in between. To be fair, when you're travelling back, back and forth, uh you know, three times in a week along the same sort of stretches of road and constantly on that M62. I'm not really surprised that the players were a little bit tired, especially considering the travel up there on Tuesday night. It was horrendous. Didn't get to the ground till like three minutes before kickoff. Um, the players oh, really? I think, were obviously a little bit earlier, but yeah, it, was, uh, it wasn't a great journey for us. Um, but yeah, like, it did just look like a really kind of lethargic performance. We didn't get into it early on. Uh, I think there was it kind of took about 20 minutes really for us to to get going and even then it didn't look too impressive. Um I think Accrington very much controlled the game from from a bit of an early an early point of view. But then like I say I do think we 
grew into it a little bit more. We started creating a couple more chances, but again, it just didn't seem like we were able to kind of make that final penetrative ball at any point. Even when we had the ball and had possession, a lot of it seemed to be in our defensive third, occasionally in that sort of middle third, but not enough of it in the final third. And I don't think Skubal is going to be too pleased with that. No, I mean, four shots from us, none on target, XG of 0.12 in the first half. Three shots from them, two on target, 0.34. Neither team particularly covered themselves in glory. We had more possession, 52.53, which was nice, but it wasn't always possession with a purpose. And look, I I don't think, I mean, we're being a, a little bit critical here. I don't think that it was, we were particularly bad. I've heard people say we were poor, it was turgid. I don't think we were particularly bad. I thought we looked solid in the first half. I never actually mm. thought that we were going to concede. Um, what not concerning, but the, the question mark that you have to, to have is uh, Mandroyu, um, Jack Vale, Midi Shadipo, on paper, I would have taken that as a League One starting um, forward line a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Vale had a really tough time of it. How the boy at the back, it was it Hills at the back for Accrington, how he yeah. didn't get booked, I don't know. <laughs> and my old man, my old man had the uh, had the away commentary on um, because the various reasons. Um, and he basically said that the Accrington commentators just kept saying, oh, Jack Vale's fallen over again. He's gone down too easy again. <laughs> and there was one that I actually, there was something, it was in the first half. Um, I don't know if a free kick was given for it or not, but it looked like a deliberate elbow. I mean, Hills just came storming through on him. It looked like he smashed him in the in the, in the back of the head with an elbow. I just, I just thought, I, you know what? Accrington don't get labelled as that sort of team. We, we think of Stevenage, we think of Gillingham, yeah. you know, the bruisers. But actually, I thought, I mean, the foul count only tells you all you need to know. I think they committed 20 fouls in the game and we committed seven. And, and, and bear in mind the ones that weren't given. So, No, absolutely. And uh, I, I struggle to know. I, I know exactly which uh, foul. I can't remember whether it was given either, but I 100% remember which one you were talking about because people around me were going absolutely mental. Sort of the six of us that were there. And um, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't see it. I know shocker, uh, and I also haven't I haven't seen it back. But then two minutes later, I just see a message in sort of the group chat. So obviously, you've got the slight eye follow delay of you, you just saying where, where on earth is the red there for you know a blatant elbow? Um, it wasn't given, um, but they were they were definitely quite dirty. And I, I kind of agree a little bit with Michael Scavala because I think we fell victim a little bit, especially towards the end of the first half, I thought, uh, let alone the second, where we were beginning just to stoop a little bit to their level. I know we weren't getting that many fouls ourselves, but I, I just felt like we were starting to lose a little bit of the control that we'd have wanted to have. I've just watched it back now. Okay. And I'll be honest, that is that is not nice. Because I'm going to watch it. Let me watch it back in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Because he actually looks. So the it's a big boot from Jensen, and as he comes through, the defender looks at Vale and then just sticks his elbow straight in on him. I mean, it's it's really not pretty at all. Um, I'll I'll clip that up at some point for, yeah. for listeners and put it on put it on social media because that really isn't it isn't good. But look, you 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 have to play the game. First half, by the way, zero fouls committed by Lincoln, 14 fouls committed by Accrington. What that suggests is that the second half was very, very different. It was a six to seven. So we came out. I wonder if um, what Michael said was come out, be stronger, be more aggressive, commit some fouls, which, you know, we 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 did perhaps put ourselves about. But we had cracking chance literally minutes into the the the, the second half. Uh, from TJ, so unlucky uh, not to take yeah. the lead. And I think had we scored there, I think we go on and win the game comfortably. Yeah, absolutely. I, that the first goal in the second half would have been for the team that won the game. It's as simple as that. Now I, I know that is definitely what happened in the end, considering they scored in the ninety fourth. But if we did, like I say, if we'd have come out and we'd have got an early goal, we would have gone on to win that game comfortably. We'd have taken a little bit more control. They'd have had to come at us, leaving more space open. We'd have been able to exploit that and we'd have probably gone on to actually get another, maybe even a third. It really wouldn't have surprised me. And I don't, I'll be honest, I really just did not feel like we were going to concede on, on Tuesday night, even though they were creating some chances from, from the get-go. You know, they had, like I said, they had plenty more XG than us in the first half, but I just didn't feel like they were ever going to score. 
and obviously you know as, as we know it took a it took a moment of magic to get it but I, it's really frustrating that we didn't and we did have opportunities in the second half there was one a little bit later on that really sticks out for me now I watched it back at, well there's, there's a couple actually but the one in particular I watched it back on sort of the extended highlights and all you can hear is Michael Skubala screaming at our players, obviously in a good way, you know, screaming at our players to be pressing the ball. It's Joven, press, Ethan, press, uh, Teddy, press. Everybody was being told to press as a group to their man. Now, last Sorensen was the one person that it seems like Michael Skubala wasn't having to tell to press. I'm assuming from from what it seems is that's because he already knew his trigger. He was already doing it and he was, and Skubala was having to shout at everybody else to kind of get on Lass Sorensen's level. Lass Sorensen then managed to snatch the ball, played the ball into Ted Bishop. Unfortunately, the ball didn't leave Bishop in a perfect place and the keeper managed to deal with it. So, you know, it, I don't even know if that would have gone down as a shot because I'm not sure if it kind of just bounced off Teddy and into the hands of the keeper. But it's no, the chances like... It was a shot. It did go down. Yeah, I just watched it back. Yeah, yeah, it was a great yeah. shot. He's taken one touch and then and then yeah, had a shot. Right. So okay. Good. Yeah. I'm gonna say I was. I couldn't quite tell if it was just a sort of a touch that sort of went off him into the goalkeeper's hand. So that's good. Um, but yeah, this is what I mean. That this this is the clear kind of proof that we need as fans that there is a change in system that is coming. Michael Skubala clearly wants us to press from the front, press high. We spoke about that at times under Mark Kennedy, saying that obviously Ben House, he was a true presser, but quite often Ben House was kind of stuck in a position where he was pressing on his own. I don't feel like that's a situation we're ever going to have under Michael Skubala, because not just was he shouting at Joven to go and press, he was also shouting at, like I say, Ethan, Teddy. Obviously, Lass was already doing it. They're the sort of chances that I think we're going to get a lot of this season and hopefully we'll be able to capitalise on a little bit more than what we did Tuesday night. Like I say, it's clear it's a clear indication of where we're going. Yeah, I take I take that on board. I think about the the pressing. I think you could you could see it. And we have created opportunities like that. I think Lass has always already always been quite good in the press. That that chance came more or less straight after the substitutions, and I thought they made a massive, massive difference. Um, I thought it's hard because me day I thought it played well, but Ted came on and you could see that Ted suited the way that we wanted to play better. Me day wanted to get in behind. He wanted to get down the flank. He wanted to kind of, kind of get around the back. Whereas from with Ted, it was more them having possession and us coming onto them. But actually I wanted to go talk briefly about Jovan um, because a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I think I said, you know, I hadn't seen uh, enough from Jovan to convince me that he was a a league one quality forward yeah. all the all the way through September and October we were saying we don't have a center forward we don't have a center forward because you know Jovan didn't count and yet he has been there's been a couple of players you look at under Michael Scabala and go actually he's done really well he's obviously you know fitting into what Michael Scabala wants to do but Jovan is the one when Jack Vale a championship striker who played, started, what, 12, 15 games last season for Blackburn in the championship. He's our second choice striker behind Jovan, who, I mean, I, I mentioned this, I did a Reading podcast earlier in the week. Um, and, are you all right there, Charlie? That's right, that's my, I know, that's my phone buzzing right next to my microphone. Oh, uh, OK, very I good. <laughs> um, I, I look at Jovan and I think, Joe. He couldn't get in Brackley's team 12 months ago. And yet here he is. And every game he plays now, um, mm -hmm. I think he gets better and better. And I can't remember who it was. There was somebody on social media. It might have been um, is it Stephen Curley um, on somebody on social media was basically saying, Joven, look at this, Joven, this, Joven, this. Even my dad. Now, you know my dad. People know my dad. <laughs> my dad can be highly critical of everything all the time. Even he said, I like the look of that Joven lad. Um, he showed some nice footwork. And do you know what? For a, for a big player, I'm, I'm just beginning to wonder. I think that maybe, maybe the coaches at Lincoln City who work with the players every single day and see them in training <laughs> might know a little bit better than the likes of, of me that see Joven for 10, 15 minutes at the end of a game against Barnsley. Yeah, absolutely. Um I don't know why he picked Barnsley. That's the game he started. But yeah, I'll uh, we'll let you off on that one. No, look, Joven, my issue with Joven was always his on the ball. I thought off the ball, he was absolutely fantastic. And I thought he was the perfect player to bring on, like you say, actually in the last 10, 15 minutes of games, because he was always a really good out ball. We saw it. I mean, it, it was really uh, prominent against Fleetwood 
that that was the biggest one for me. But then also Bristol Rose a little bit earlier on in this season. Now he had a, a really, really good chance in that game, if you remember, but his decision-making was just a little bit poor. But that's the sort of thing that you get confidence in a lad and you get him minutes constantly playing in and around the players that he's currently playing around. He's going to be brought up to their level. Joven is clearly, you know, he's clearly being boosted in that and his on-the-ball ability is also very much sort of rising up as well to the point where he's starting to make better decisions. He's We know he's got the physicality, he's able to use his body and now hopefully he's going to be able to you know, use his footwork to be able to create more chances for us. I also think having the two number 10s actually sit a little bit closer to Joven, that also is going to boost his confidence because it doesn't mean he's going to feel so isolated as maybe sometimes earlier on in the season when he's coming on for 10, 15 minutes of matches. It's, it's It was often in kind of a 5-4-1 position. So he literally was just the isolated out ball. He was always on his own up until somebody was then able to run the full length of the pitch to come and support him. But now he's playing in a system where he's got two other players close to him. Two other players that, you know, typically if we've got, let's say, Danny Mandroyu or Ted Bishop or Mide Shadipo, Rico Hackett when he's fit, potentially Jack Moylan in January, whoever those two players that sit in those 10 roles are, we are expecting them to have solid technical ability on the ball, which is going to just ease the pressure off Joven in those situations, which means he can even make the simple passes to them and maybe ask them to do the work. Or actually, he's going to be able to try and find some space and create something for either himself or the other players around him running on and kind of running past him. So I think Joven's working in this system really, really well. He's already showing it and I think he's only going to get better. Yes, good point. Um, I've watched the the chance, basically the big chance that Joven had, which accounted for almost half of our XG. Um, and, and, you know, the, the short-sighted supporter might look and go, well, he should have scored that. The long-sighted supporter will see him laying the ball off nicely to Ted Bishop right at the beginning of the move. What's notable is we had no XG at all before 60 minutes in the second half. The changes absolutely changed um, the, com- the, the complexion of the game. And whilst the perception is Accrington were kind of, you know, it was end to end and they had loads of good chances. Not one of their opportunities in the second half was over 0.1 XG. So, you know, there were one in 10 efforts. The goal they scored was 0.03. So 97 times out of 100, that goes anywhere else. Look, it wasn't ideal. It was it was a, a, a stodgy first half and a, we didn't create enough in the second half for the ability of the team that we were playing against. I don't want to be disrespectful for Crackerington. They were hard work. They made it hard for us. They tried to bully us in the first half. It worked. But I just think in the second half, in reality, we we, we were probably the, dare I say, the better side. Somebody will shoot me down for that. Um, no doubt listening at the moment, there'll be uh, somebody coughing their tea out or it'll be Jack Mulhall while he's running. We'll have to stop and, and have a little chuckle. I think we were the better side. We had more possession. Um, we played more passes. Our passing accuracy was better. Um, we we won uh, more of our duels. Oh, actually, we won equal duels. But to be fair, I just you know, it was literally just that final kind of. It's not even the final third. It's the eighteen yard box onwards. Yeah. I th- look, we we there's been a lot of kind of conversation on on this podcast in particular, actually, over sort of the last few weeks about perceptions and sort of perceptions that fans have of certain matches and such. Now, Ethan Hamilton had a chance very, very similar to Longello's goal. Outside the box, curling effort, going towards the top corner. The Accrington keeper saved it. I don't, it wasn't enough into the corner, really. It was um, from Ethan Hamilton. But what if Ethan Hamilton had scored that and Longello hadn't scored his? What you know? How different would the perception be of not just the second half, but the whole game? Would it be that we went there, we had a battling performance and we managed to beat Accrington you know, who were trying to sort of, who were maybe trying to drag us down, but we were just the better side, we were battling all of this, rather than the, this was a really turgid performance, this was a tough watch after Saturday, this, you know, we need to be seeing more changes, more positive work, why aren't we having this? Which, you know, all comments that I think we've both probably seen on social media over the past couple of days, perception is huge and a scoreline very much changes perception, of course it does, because you know, one of those we're currently in the next round playing against Bolton Wanderers at home, looking for a chance to push on in, in the tournament. Another one we're knocked out, never playing another game in that again this season. I get that, but overall, is it harsh on us to say that we were the worst side? Which is obviously a lot of people. What a lot of people were saying. 
Well, I think because they're League Two and we're League One and we played a relatively strong side, the expectation mm. was we should have steamrolled them. And I'm not going to sit here and say it was a good performance. I thought we played well against Wigan. I don't think it was a good game, but I thought we played well. So well that at the top of this show, I started talking about a chance straight after half time for us. And actually, that was the Wigan game. I'm having a nightmare. I don't like people being at the end of my drive. I don't. <laughs> I got really confused. Is this when you're on about TJ Omer having a good chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was sat here like really confused, but I just didn't mention. It. I'm like, uh, did I miss that? One? Was I still round at the bar? <laughs> like, uh, do you know what? I'm having a merit. It, it's just yeah, it's completely thrown me. It really has completely thrown me. Basically, I'm I was filling in for ben, ben this Thursday. week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sorry, anyway, um, <laughs> Ethan Hamilton's effort was deflected. Just so, uh, just so you know, oh, it was, was deflected it? effort. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't so, see the deflection. I mean, don't worry. It was it was the right game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm still better than you. That's fine. Well, all, all right, Charlie. Oh, we'll sorry. see you later when we play Borridge, won't we? Yeah. Shit. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, then there was the great goal at the end. Do you know what? I I took the sting out of it for myself because uh, it got to 92 minutes. We went on the attack. Uh, and I thought, I wonder if we score. And I picked up my phone because there's a gap between iFollow and Twitter. Yeah. So I scrolled through Twitter to see what was going to happen because I was like, if it's penalties, I can nip off and make a cup of tea. I won't miss any penalties. And it just said, goal, Longello scores from range. And I'm watching the action and we're going up the other end. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. And the same thing happened last year when I was watching Lincoln um, Exeter at Chris's. He got a notification for an Exeter goal and we were on the attack. And it's like, no, it's got to be a Lincoln goal, surely. And then they went up and scored. So, yeah. um, I mean, it was just one of those. Uh, Longello had a, a, a good game, let's be honest. He played really well for them. He was a constant thorn in our side. Former Newcastle kid, I think. Um, you, you can't legislate for it. it 0.03 XG, it was just a wonder strike. Fair play to him. It's a goal worthy of a victory. And that's yeah. the, best, I can, the best thing I can kind of say towards it. it you know, they... They deserved the win because of the goal. Um, so fair play to Atkinson, fair play to Langella. Like you say, he had a really, really good game. Um, a real, real star in that side. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. And you know what? I'm kind of, we were all sorts of like, okay, if it goes to penalties, it goes to penalties. And if we lose on penalties, we wouldn't have actually been too disheartened. So to have lost in the 94th minute, <sighs> I've, I've been frustrated losing away at certain points this season, at certain points last season or whatever. I, I wasn't even frustrated with that one. It was literally just a, you know, fair enough. Shrug your shoulders, off you go. Yeah. There's only been two penalty shootouts that I can think of in the last kind of 10, 15 years that I've actually felt anything about at all. And that was Chelsea in the semi final and Sunderland in the semi final. Oh, the whole, the whole game, Alex Palmer made a save. I mean, uh, in this competition. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. This I'm not going to talk about Sheffield United, obviously. I thought you were just saying all together, but yeah. No, because I, do you know what? If this had gone to penalties, and as it did last year, as the one I think against Morecambe did, as the game against um, you know, the one of the kids did, teams did the other, I just, do you know what? I kind of think at the stage of the competition that we were at, I was more disappointed it got to 94 minutes and we hadn't won the game. If it had gone to penalties, yeah. it, it wouldn't – you would you go through, but you, it doesn't add anything to the game. So, like, Hull was a bit different because Hull put their full first team out. It was our full yeah. first – you know, it was, a, it was a, and it was a great game. And you felt that both teams had, had really gone for it and it had been entertaining and it mattered. Sunderland and Chelsea mattered because there was a place at Wembley um, at, at stake. But this – Morecambe last season. I mean, we beat Morecambe, but Morecambe last season, Accrington last season. It gets to penalties and uh, there's kind of an ambiguity. And don't get me wrong, because I'm not happy we've gone out of the competition. It would have been good to have had a game against Bolton. It would have been a good opportunity to get minutes into players, not Jaden Brown, evidently, but anybody else. Do you know what I mean? It would have been a good opportunity yeah, yeah, yeah. to do that. Um, but at the same time, it didn't bother me. We'd, we'd been beaten. I'd rather be beaten by a wonder goal. And you can just go, do you know what? Accrington did a job on us. They did what they needed to do in the first half. They deserved their win. XG doesn't say they deserve their win. Possession doesn't say they deserve their win. But they deserve their win. They're a League Two side. They're not expected to have more XG. They're not expected to be. It's a fair play to them. Hats off. You go on. Because I'll tell you something else as well. 
Bolton at Accrington in this stage of the competition will mean more to Accrington than Bolton coming to us would have done um, in, in early January, without a doubt. It's a big game for them. So fair play. Go on, crack on, lads. I hope you, I hope you beat Bolton. I hope you take it out of Bolton. Yeah, that, yeah. they... No, no, they, they definitely do deserve a, a little bit of a run. And, it, and it's, like I say, it's so much bigger for them. I think the only... Not the only positive because it's, you know there is a money aspect to it that's fantastic. But the biggest positive, if we were to have a run in this competition and maybe get to the semi-final, maybe even play at Wembley, would purely be... Well, I said it when Michael Skubala first joined us in that kind of emotional emotional connection between us and him as head coach would grow stronger because we were potentially, let's say, having a day at Wembley with Michael Skubala in charge. Although... I think the way he's acting in, for example, the media, just the way his persona, the way he seems, and you know, you, you've met him, I'm sure you can very much add to this, but just the way he seems as a person, it feels like he's already creating that emotional connection with us without the need for a victory on paper, without the need of silverware at the minute anyway, because he's already being that kind of exact person that we all wanted in the club. Some people wanted Danny and Nicky Cowley, but actually Michael Skubala is already seeing, seeming to win the hearts of many Lincoln fans. He's more personable than both of our last two managers. <laughs> He's more identifiable. And, and again, I'm, I, you know, I talk a million times about how I like Michael Appleton. I stand by that. I, he was a nice guy away from um, the camera and away from the microphones. But Michael knows how to, or, or or he maybe doesn't even know how he just does it. He's just he, when he talks, you feel that he's being genuine. Yeah. You feel he's being honest, um, and that is what we needed. And okay, some fans need a fist pump. I don't, but some fans need the fist pump, and they need all of that as well. And he, he's kind of delivering that. Um, so it's really interesting. And and do you know what? We I listened to his pre-match and post-match interviews and I, I stopped listening with Mark Kennedy and, and you were really cutting at one point. I, I still I still listened and yet it just made me angry every time I did because <laughs> yeah that's all it was and I don't I don't Mark, know why it did I probably overreacted but it was just. Mark can you tell us about injuries I'm, I'm gonna go into a meeting straight after this so I can't tell you about <laughs> injuries. About transfers, I've just, I'm just going to go into a transfer meeting. Mm. I, I, do you know what? I sometimes thought, why don't you schedule your press conference for after all these meetings, and you can come and just give us some tidbits? Because then it must have been hard. Tell us things. Well, it must have been hard for <laughs> Rob and Michael because oh, they kind cool. of go there knowing they're going to ask him questions, and they're just, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to bat that away. I'm going to bat this away. And at least with Michael Scabala, we get some honesty, and, and we've got a bit of honesty from him regarding. We're going to move on from Accrington now. A little bit of honesty from him regarding Freddie Draper. So, as we know, Freddie's on loan at Walsall. He was excellent through till October. He's been injured, I think, and then and he was even on the bench for them at the weekend, so he, he didn't start. Um, but speaking to BBC Radio Lincolnshire's Ron Makepeace, Michael has said, Freddie is doing really well. He's growing every week and he's developing. We've had staff going to watch his games, but it's important we get this one right, whether we bring him back into the building or leave him out there at Walsall. First of all, it's a better level. So it could be a stretch for him playing in this league. It's important to get it right for him and for the club at the same time. Timing is really important. So we have so we have to get his development right alongside the club situation too. I be, My reading between the lines there suggests that Freddie Draper will remain at Walsall for the rest of the season. I, well, I don't really know what to make of the comment apart from the fact that there's quite clearly still a decision to be made. They, they've obviously decided that he isn't going to be on the bench or, or in the starting eleven against Blackpool on, on New Year's Day. There's clearly still a decision that needs to be made, which I like. I don't want them to have to rush into this decision. They may be waiting to maybe see what's available in terms of some of the players that we're potentially looking at in the January transfer window, because we all know these conversations start well before the January 1st. So it could be that we're lining up a move for a striker or a forward that can play in the strike position uh, early on in January. Maybe that we want to see Jack Moylan in a central striker role uh, early on as well. And at that point, if we do, then we might decide that we don't need Freddie Draper. I don't think the decision is going to be made on the 1st of January anymore because of the comments. I still think there is a good chance that he'll come back. But I very much also get what 
Skubal is maybe sort of saying around Freddie Draper in the fact that staying at Warsaw could be the absolute best thing for his development. I think something that we all said, and then the injuries happened, and then we changed our mind. Well, I know I've changed my mind about six or seven times on on the situation. Um, whatever happens, I trust that the club will make the right decision for both Freddie, but also for the club. And I think that's something he said. There has to be a balancing of the interests, even if we want Freddie to have this amazing young start to his career and sort of have a real good season. Actually, there may be a point where we need him in the first team. So we've just got to try and balance that out. I don't think Freddie Draper will be recalled from Walsall. Um, okay. It's not just what Michael Scabala has said post-match. Um, or, or pre-match rather it's more to do with what we want to achieve as a football club and what we can do to achieve that we want to achieve promotion out of league one i think that i think a top six spot is what the club want how's the best what's the best way to do that reinforce in january and okay we've got jack moylan coming in we've got loan spots available as well i can actually see us being a little bit aggressive in the transfer market whether it's with loans i'm not sure we'll, we'll be throwing cash around but i think that we'll be buying players that we think will add value immediately freddie draper is still one for the future and when they're talking about Mark, Michael Scabala says he's developing we've got to um, it's important to get him right for him and for the club I think that that's an indication that he's going to stay put. Do you think if we were currently sat in, let's say, 14th, 15th place, maybe 10 points off the playoffs, you know, a position where we're slightly out of touch compared to what we are now, that we'd have called him back in January and we wouldn't necessarily be wanting to reinforce quite to the level? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, 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 league, this league one right now is as good a chance for us to finish in the top six. Oh, yeah. As at any point since it, since we've been up, including the one where we actually did finish in the top six, and I think it is a better chance than it is next season because next season this division will have Stockport in and they'll be top yeah. ten, top twelve. It'll have Wrexham in, they'll be top ten, top twelve. Some of the teams that look like they could be dropping down, there's never any kind of you know guarantee. Mm -hmm. But the teams that are going to be coming down and the teams that are going to be going up, there's probably going to be a level there. If you look at who is it, Portsmouth, it, uh, Portsmouth, Oxford, and Bolton are battling at the top. But you, you've kind of got Huddersfield and Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham. You know, they'll they'll be decent teams at this level. It's going to be, I think, more competitive next season. I think at the beginning of this season, I think the club made a conscious decision to recruit well. Bear in mind, nobody thought we were going to buy Ethan Hamilton and we went out and spent money on Hamilton. We spent money on Hackett. I think we were aggressive in the transfer market. We've left ourselves wiggle room for loan players. I think that we will take advantage of that, as we did in the um, transfer window when we signed Liam Cullen, Morgan Whitaker, John Marquis, etc., etc. We went heavy in that transfer window. So it wouldn't surprise me if we don't go a little heavier. I wonder if we'll, we'll return Jack Vale. That's my honest my thought because I don't think Vale fits Michael Scabala's tactics. Um, I think that we'll bring in a, a striker on loan. It wouldn't surprise me if, if we don't actually bring in potentially two that can play there. I know we've got Jack Moylan, but if you went Moylan, Makama, potentially alone, potentially somebody who's coming out of contract in League Two. I, I just think, um, I think Freddie Draper will stay put. And I think that I, I think Lincoln fans might be happy at the end of this transfer window. And I don't know anything. Nobody, people listening go, oh, well, you know, anyway, I don't. I haven't got a clue. Um, but I just think there's been a lot of good work. And, and to be where we are right now with the injuries that we've had, I actually think is a minor miracle. We've changed our manager. We've had our entire front line out and we're still ninth in the table. Um, if we get through Christmas and we're still 10th or 12th, bear in mind that we play Bolton and we play Derby and we play Blackpool. You get through Christmas, if, if on January the 2nd we're still tucked in into a similar position as we are now, it's the best opportunity Lincoln City will have had to get into the championship since, well, I mean, okay, since we were top <laughs> a couple of years ago. But you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it's a golden yeah. opportunity in a genuine season with, with no wage cap and all that sort of stuff. That's my thought. No, I, I very much agree. I, I felt like in the summer transfer window we were building a squad that was potentially capable of hitting top six this season with a view to sort of seasons down the line because of the amount of permanent signings we were making. And it was, this was kind of going to be not a transitional year, but this was going to be the year where, okay, we've, we admit that we've settled in league one. We're now going to push on, but actually I, I very much agree with you 
considering where we are, and I did a I did a preview um, a few weeks back. I can't remember who we were playing, but I I appeared on on another podcast, and they sort of says, "Oh, how's Lincoln? You know, how have you been going this season?" And I just sat there like, actually, yeah, we're we're sat in sort of ninth position, three points off the playoffs we were at the time, whatever. And then I'm just reeling off all of these not excuses, but all of these things that are actually slight things that have held us back this season. Obviously, an injury crisis, the fact we've had a manager go, with the fact we had an interim manager for almost a month, and all of these facts, and yet somehow we're still in this position. And I think uh, I think they turned around and said something along the lines of, "Gosh, what would it have been like if you'd have had a sort of an easy, simple season?" Who knows? The fact that we're in the position we are, we're quite clearly showing signs of improvement as well. And I think there's a there is going to be a sort of slightly more attacking play style, um, you know, go, going forward. But hopefully, keeping the defensive solidity because we have got on paper one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, if nobody's watched the monthly show yet, please do head over there because we, me and Chris, went through some of the defensive tactics and some of uh, some of the defensive statistics and the comparison. Honestly, it really was actually. Um, I know I'm you're taking the kids, but it, it, was, it was. It really, really. If was. anybody's struggling to sleep, the monthly show is still up. Honestly, it is absolutely brilliant. I watched it last night. Thirty-five seconds, I was asleep. Thirty-five seconds. It was great. Should we go to an ad break? I think we better. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> uh, sorry, mate. I couldn't <laughs> Right. We'll come back from the ad break. Are you ready? Yeah. You want a game of Borridge? You forget all footballers, don't you? Borridge, Cambridge, Leicester, Palace, Norwich, West Brom, Gillingham, Rushton, Brighton, Northampton, Northampton, Coventry, Peterborough, Watford, Swindon, Boston, Walsall, Hereford, Gainsborough, Norfolk, Victoria, Hednesford, Wellingbridge, Hidsborough, Tamworth, Harrogate, Woking, Sunshine, George, Cross, Bedlington, Terriers, Roxham, Morpeth, Morpeth, and Seaton, Delaval. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play a quick game of Borridge, Charlie. Now... I have had some feedback about Borridge. And so I'm going to try and make it easier because at the minute I am undefeated. So I'm going to try and make it easier. So what I have here is a cup full, Mm -hmm. you can't see typically, uh, of teams. Well, clearly. All local teams. And I'm willing to draw two and let you choose which one we play and let you go first. Right. Okay. I thought you were going to put a cap and say that no players before, you know, 2010. Just no. Nope. So, oh, okay. no. go on then. First one out, and unfortunately, thanks to the green screen, uh, <laughs> you can't actually see it. Uh, so, so, for all I know, you're cheating, but yeah, go on. For all you know, I am cheating. <laughs> yep. Um, York City. Okay. So, York City is okay. one. And the next one is. I'll hold it up to the camera when it opens. Sheffield Wednesday. York City or Sheffield Wednesday? Right. Well, I've really got to get this right because, yeah. um, Oh, the three played for them the other night. I think I can only remember. Right, we're going to go Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, right. And you can go first. We'll just go um, Jaden Brown because I've done. Yeah. David Johnson, Magic Johnson. Lovely. Um, 
I should have gone to York City. Um, um, <laughs> uh, there's going to be a really obvious one that I'm now missing. Okay. But I know John Burridge didn't play for them, so I really don't want to say his name. <laughs> huh? How do you know that? Because I've just been listening to the list of clubs that he that's played Trevor for. Benjamin. That's Trevor oh, Benjamin. Okay, that's Trevor Benjamin. John Burridge then. then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Well, that was me making a blooming mental note. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you doing it as well. I know. And guess what? <laughs> uh, John Burridge played for Sheffield United, but no Sheffield Wednesday. Cool. Of course he didn't. Because I have memorised who John Burridge has played for. So. Oh, of course you have. I just need to listen. Yeah, I've got me, I've got me iPad here, right? Hang on. But the thing is, like, it doesn't matter, does it? Because if I'd no. then gone John Burridge straight away, and people had gone, "Well, why didn't you say David Graham yeah. or Richard Hines or Simon Weaver?" Or, I mean, Simon Weaver didn't play for Sheffield Wednesday, but he was on their books. Dean Cropper was on their books. Um, Sam Ellis, I think, big Sam Ellis, we signed from Sheffield Wednesday. So. Um, yeah, I think Gary Megson. Yeah, was Gary Megson at Sheffield Wednesday? I think I should have gone. I think I should have gone York City because they had three in their squad the other night uh, in the FA Cup against Wigan a couple of weeks back, and three former imps. A couple of them were former academy. Um, I'm trying to remember well, the names of them. York City, you can go. Go on. I'll play York City. I've got a couple in my head. Quick York City. I'll have to be quick. Is it, I've got some is, it, to talk is, it about. is it? Is it? Is um, it? How? Mm. What's his Callum Howe? Callum Howe, that's the one. No, oh, go on. Yeah, I love Callum Howe. Yep. Um, Martin Garrett. Lovely. Um, uh, is Alex Woodyard there? He is indeed. Yeah. Uh, Elliot Whitehouse. Oh, I didn't know he played for York. Uh, John Burridge, then, because <laughs> I can't remember the third, and they were the only three. I- I actually don't know if John Burridge did play for York. Um, so while we while we check that, why don't you introduce our Reading? Um, our I, Reading. I preview. certainly shall. This week, uh, Ben had the privilege of speaking with Johnny Hunt from the eighteen seventy one podcast, and here's what he had to say. We've we've played. We've just played Wigan, who were one of the the clubs that got hit by points deductions at the start of the season. Um, you guys being the other ones, um, would it be fair to say going into the start of the season that Reading would probably be considered among that sort of, for want of a better phrase, basket case club? You know, and uh, have things calm down a little bit. <laughs> have things calm down a little bit. Yeah, definitely complimentary on the old basket case but now it hasn't calmed down it's got worse um oh. it's it's uh yeah it, like the cell the cell before we die campaign the guys have been pushing that and now i've actually parked outside his house yeah die young's house in london with um advertising basically to say get him out of the club you know the tennis ball protests have been ongoing you know people trying to keep things lawful and obviously respectful um we had the, the oxford game again another tennis ball protest but it, it's trying to put pressure on the owner to get out because he's ruining the club he's ruined it for a long time um, and the only people that get punished really are, you know, the poor people behind the scenes who aren't being paid on time, the players who aren't being paid on time, uh, the tax man's not being paid on time, and the fans who, you know, it's our club. We've been here for a long time, and it's desperate to see. And I don't think any football fan would wish on anyone to see this situation. You know, it's it's horrible. You know, football, you know, promotion, relegation that happens. We got relegated last season, but to actually the fear of losing your club is horrific um especially you know a club like i think with the sixth oldest club in in the league 1871 as we were um you know it's it's horrible and you know trying to trying to focus on you know the positives of you know um performances and you know that's been difficult as well because you know we've got a very young squad and under embargoes because of the owner you know the points deductions already this season 16 in total the last three including four this season so it's it's stressful it's not enjoyable but you know you have to pull together and and just try and look for you know we've won an away game for the first time in a year hopefully it'll be the second one on saturday <laughs> <laughs> well let's 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 not get ahead of ourselves on that one just yet um, <laughs> obviously you know ruben sellers coming in is is like you say you've had a, a young squad you had a lot of turmoil in the summer um has he 
as he steadied things in terms of performances and is it can you start to see a way out of the predicament that you're in obviously second from bottom at the moment without the points deduction you'd just be outside the relegation zone do you think that's achievable to to hit by the end of the season and you know obviously you mentioned the, the embargoes in january are you a little bit fearful um going into january um how how is it how is it looking going forward at the minute well, I think you know, with the players we have got, we've got some good, talented players there. You know, um, Lewis Wing, you know, he's, he's good at this level. Charlie Savage is coming, you know, from Man United and he's trying to prove himself in men's football, which, you know, is a big step for him. You know, we've obviously got good young academy players as well that have been thrown in at the deep end. Sam Smith's back and he makes a huge difference for us. You know, he was out injured for a lot of the, you know, the start of the season. But he, you know, scored last night and wound up the uh, Oxford fans, which is always good. Um, but, you know, something like that is good at this level. Um, what we can do in January, you know, it depends on, you know, the state of the club. And, you know, it's almost secondary to just making sure, you know, there was talk of new owners and that's kind of gone quiet again. And, you know, it's... We just have to put up with what we've got and do our best. And, and sellers is a bit marmite. He kind of, you know, he obviously was at Southampton in the Premier League and he was adamant that he was playing this 4-2-2 sort of formation and it didn't work. Um, he's starting to adapt a bit, a point at home to Oxford. Is that good or bad? It, it, we've got more fight. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of, Nelson Abbey, you know, he's 18, 19 years of age, maybe 20, it, it, but, he, you know, he's come in and he's done well um, because, uh, Tyler Binden, you know, they're, they're punching above their weight for young players. You know, they're having to do a man's job, um, you know, not kind of being blended into the team. They are the team, um, you know, and so for, for this as a club, it's literally kind of, we just hope we can survive this season and 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 not get relegated. That's I think that's what anyone wants. We're being realistic with what we got. But we have actually got, the you know, some ability on that pitch um, I don't know if Sellers has quite found the way of making it work his best yet um, which you know who, but giving him his credit like he's working under the most ridiculously extreme bizarre circumstances as well um, him and Bowen refused to get paid on time to join the backroom staff so there's a bit of unity there so um, you know, it is literally taking it a game at the time at the minute, you know, for, for us as fans and I think as players probably as well. It's, you know, it's, we got a point against Oxford on to you guys and, and see what we can do there. Brilliant. Thank you. Johnny's, uh, Johnny's a great guy, by the way. He's uh, one of our real EFL podcasters. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really good guy. So thank you for that, Johnny and Ben. Uh, just a quick update. York City is not on the list of John Borges' <laughs> former clubs. So unfortunately, <laughs> that's a double double defeat for Charlie. On, uh, double on D. Um, but you could, uh, you could have had, do you remember Aaron Wilford? I know the name, Aaron, yes. Aaron yeah. Wilford. Um, he yeah. played for us at the end of 0304, I think. It was Scott Purr. The Dane Oliver. I'm going to find out who the third player is that played against uh, Wigan Athletic in the Co FA Cup for them as well, because there was Colin outside. Remy 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 Howarth, I think, went there as well. Yes, he he was there actually, wasn't he? Although I, I think I wouldn't know which name to. So, call him. Let's move on anyway. <laughs> let's move on to uh, Reading. So obviously, I mean, I, I did a Reading podcast as well um, this week, and I think they go a full calendar year without a win away from home. Mm. Um, they were on the road the other week, but they still they still think that they're fairly poor on the road. We will look at this and go Reading. Wow, you know, the year we came out of the National League in 2017, they were in the Championship playoffs for a place in the Premier League. So these are two clubs on very, very different trajectories. We know, you may know, but Dai Yong, who's their owner, um, is so wildly unpopular uh, that it's it's untrue. He's driving the club into the ground. I feel desperately for Reading fans. He's the rogue owner. And they, uh, the chap I spoke to, uh, Matt Lansley, said that, that when they came into this division, they were surprised to find 
a landscape of corpses of big clubs that have kind of been run into the ground or have, have hit on hard times and have had to come back up. And you look at Charlton, you look at Portsmouth, you look at Bolton, you look at Wigan, there's four off the top of my head that have sunk down and have had to fight their way back up, which is where Reading are. There's a real feeling they're going to sink down one further and end up in Division 4, which I think would be the first time since the late 70s. Um, since since we played them, I think they were in the third tier in '84. Because I think we beat them five-one under Ian Bramfoot, and then Ian Bramfoot took them all the way to the top. Um, former Lincoln man, so they're a good side um, in places. They've got good players. They've got Lewis Wing, really like him. He was at Wigan, uh, Wigan Wickham rather. Um, they've got Kelvin Eabishman up top, who is a real handful. And uh, if you are surprised at the fact that I can pronounce Eabishman. Um, fair play because his name looks like it would be carved above a tomb in Egypt, doesn't it? It's the long lost tomb <laughs> of, of King Eabishman. But Eabishman, right. Okay, well that's good to know. Yeah. So I mean, what are your thoughts, pull, Reading? Pull uh, yeah, look, Reading are a really good side on paper when you actually look at some of the players they've got. I mean, I, I very much rate both Harvey Nibs and Sam Smith that they've got as well. Charlie Savage yeah. is a player that uh, Johnny mentioned and, you know, Charlie Savage is supposed to be, you know, and he's a good player at this level. Femi Aziz as well. But what's letting Reading down quite drastically? You look, they've got a young squad, but there becomes a point where they actually can't use the youngsters as an excuse anymore. And there's a lot of naivety in that Reading squad. Quite often um, when, you know, we're talking on, for example, a League One podcast, there's a lot of conversations about the fact that Reading are just simply making silly defensive errors. They're, they're literally giving the ball away at times. It, it's been spoken about a lot with, for example, Notts County this season, but Reading are another kind of victim of it. And they're not getting the ball away. They're trying to constantly sort of play the ball out. The players just aren't doing the basics, the rule 101s of football, the things that your seasoned veterans, your professionals, they all know exactly what to do at all points. Just first and foremost, you play the game before you even think about tactical styles. Reading players aren't seeming to be doing that so far this season and it is part of the reason obviously along with all of the off the field stuff but it is very much part of the reason why they are down where they are at the minute and it is very disappointing to see them down there um and look a lot of it a lot of the blame is very much obviously on die young and it is a horrendous sort of situation and uh, there's a there's currently a big truck uh sort of a big kind of like tv truck that's currently being driven around london i think it's parked outside of his house at times parked outside of like his favorite casino i saw uh, outside houses of parliament that's basically just telling you know sell before we die is the protest and if you don't sort of follow those guys on twitter please do just go it, it's just like the, the, it's something so small but it just supports them obviously in, in sort of what they're trying they've been having a lot of kind of tennis ball protests over recent weeks as well that hopefully people would have heard about um, but it's not really getting the national media coverage I don't expect anything like that to happen on Saturday because they don't seem to be doing it away from home from what I can gather only really at uh, the Majeski Stadium isn't it or deleasing.com yeah. Medium. Whatever they want to call it now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but look, they are they are a good side. They're a side that they're not going to be easy to beat, but I would be comfortable that we should be able to get a victory against them on um, Saturday. I'm wary. And I'm wary because in the both teams to score market, Reading are a really good bet. Both teams to score when they played Oxford, Barnsley, Charlton, Eastleigh, Carlisle, Wickham, Arsenal under 21, Shrewsbury, Bristol Rovers, Portsmouth and Fleetwood. That takes you all the way back to the 21st of October. Um, both teams scored. Their XG is, is often half decent, 1.29 against Oxford. Oxford's 0.69, 1.39 against Barnsley, 2.02 against Charlton, 2.05 against Eastleigh, 2.94 against Arsenal under 21. So they're an attacking threat. They are an attacking threat. They have efforts. They have efforts at goal against Charlton, 12-4 on target against Oxford, 7-4 on target against Barnsley, 12-6 on target. Um, they are a good side. Sam Smith, like you say, is he's a good player. I like Harvey Nibs at this level. I like the boy Aziz at this level. I mean, Ian Bishman actually didn't start, I don't think, the last game. Um, so I dropped his name in there purely because I could say it, not through any actual analysis. Um, 
they are they're a half decent side but they do have like you say some young players and they do have a little bit of naivety across the back um and Andy Yadom, I seem to remember him being linked when he was he was where was he, he might have even been at Reading he was linked with a move to West Ham or somewhere like that a yeah. couple of years ago he was he was a top player um the the other one thing I'd say is I think that I think their manager is a little bit of an issue for me because he's he's managed further up he's quite clearly a good coach but that doesn't always transfer to League One. And for me, a more sensible appointment for somebody like, like Reading would have been like Bolton did with Ian Everett. Would have yeah. been, do you know what? We'll accept what we are. Let's get the best for the level that we're at. Let's not try and punch a ball away. Let's not go into, you know, oh, we'll bring a former Premier League manager in here. It doesn't happen. It can drag people down. Whereas if you if you shop in the right market and you bring the right manage, kind of manager in, I mean, they're not going to attract a Michael Scabala or a Des Buckingham or somebody like that because they're not going to attract somebody who's ambitious when they're a basket case. But they could quite easily attract, dare I say, a Steve Evans. They could quite easily attract somebody like that. You know, they'd probably go hand in hand with each other. That it's just, you know, he's worked what under like the likes of Paul Scally and Darren McKenzie. Wherever yeah. there's an owner that's a bit controversial or larger than life, Steve Evans is there <laughs> being larger than them. Um, you know, he would have been a good choice. I'd, I, I, I would be surprised if Ruben Sellers sees out the season unless they tighten up at the back and keep that attacking threat going. No, 100%. They've got. They've got a head coach where really they, they need they need a manager. Like I said, they need a manager for this level. Somebody that could just try to reinstill some of the basics in young players. These young players have had sort of under-21s coaches and such bring them up to this level. But they need a manager now that's just going to be able to keep them out of the fight for the for relegation. And I'm kind of with you. I, I was surprised that Ruben Sellers has lasted as long as he has, if I'm honest. I think one of the big kind of points you know going into Saturdays yes they obviously they obviously have a lot in terms of the both teams to score market but they are the worst defense in the league well joint with Fleetwood now with a sort of horrendous run that Fleetwood are on and we're the third best defensive side in the league in terms of just purely for goals against so I I kind of disagree with you a little bit on the point where you're saying that you're a little bit wary because they you know they are able to score I think Teams with defensive frailties, we've shown that we're able to attack, but sometimes we've found it difficult to maybe break down um, teams that are, are, you know, stronger defensively. But I think a Reading side that are clearly going to be open and give us opportunities, we're going to get a goal or two against. Whether or not we concede, I would, I would genuinely have faith in our defenders that we could potentially keep a clean sheet on on uh, Saturday and also in Lucas Jensen because I think he's been absolutely outstanding this season and I don't think he gets quite as much praise as maybe he should. Um, but I do think that we're going to be able to score more than them. Um, and to be honest, I, I do see us keeping a clean sheet. I, I see this going something like a 2-0, something a little bit like what Cheltenham did. We'll be able to exploit a couple of the weaknesses in their defensive sort of line, then maybe then change something up and try to come at us but to no avail is very much what I hope to happen. Interesting I, I called 2-0 on the Reading podcast and it's only when mm -hmm. I've really dug into it I think here that you know, you're saying I think we'll be able to score against them I mean it's not like we've we've got a great record of scoring loads of goals is it? Um, no 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 and it, it definitely is well, well but having said that we did score three against Cambridge and two against Barnsley so actually maybe exactly. I'm being unfair on the Scabala era Maybe I'm thinking too much Kennedy and not enough Skabala. And, and bear in mind, you know, the nil-nil draw that we had against Wigan, so much of that, you know, it, that was very much two teams cancelling out, cancelling each yeah. other out. And also, there were horrendous conditions. And to be fair, it wouldn't have surprised anybody to know that it was nil-nil. So that's Reading. That's going to be Saturday. Now, Saturday's going to be a big day for the Stacey West team because afterwards we are going out into town to go on our Stacey West Christmas party. So anybody who's listening um, is more than willing to join us, but we're not going to tell you where we are. Um, if you want to find out, you can come and ask us and then we can decide if we like you. And if we do, we'll tell you the right pub. And if we don't, we'll tell you the wrong pub. Um, no, seriously, it, you know, we um, we haven't had a Stacey West night out. We were all at uh, my wife. Uh, my wedding and that was really good but we haven't had a, a christmas night out ever before um so that's going to be that's going to be quite interesting so yeah it's going to be a, a, a big day a big day is, is is reading um don't want to spoil anything for anybody but the last time i went on a a night out i think straight after a game um into town was cambridge nil nil 
Uh, we also went out into town after uh, we lost 2-0 to Gillingham as well. That was one of our nights my, my last, My last one was uh, Morecambe in the FA Cup last month and obviously it chucked it down with rain. We'd lost and it was bloody miserable. I went out after Carlisle, one all as well. I went to a friend's, uh, a friend's do at that. So I'm nearly done. The only other thing I wanted to point people in direction of was the annual that's come out, Lincoln City Annual, which is £15. Now, I obviously commented last week about bringing the deranged ferret back, which is something we're still very keen to do. Thank you for those who have been in contact. We've set up a small working group to myself, Chris Ray and Roy Thompson. Um, but anybody who wishes to get involved, please let me know. But in the meantime, the club have released an annual. Now, this is something they brought out to try and satisfy those of us that like the printed media. Um, a little bit of an odd buying process because I went on to buy it expecting to go on the club shop and it takes you to Eventbrite and you do buy it like a ticket. So it may be a little bit confusing, uh, but I'll be putting an article up. If you're listening to this Friday. It should be on the site sometime on Friday. Um, just giving you a link to that. Yeah, If you are a printed media fan, if you like a Lincoln City book and a Lincoln City publication, um, it's really important that we buy this because if it doesn't sell well, the next time the club come around to having their strategy meeting, they'll go, do you know what? We're not going to do an annual. And I, I firmly believe that printed media is valuable not necessarily for what you get out of it right now not necessarily for what you get out of it today although who wouldn't want to unwrap a, a lincoln city annual or indeed a gary hutchinson book from amazon still available but who wouldn't want to unwrap something like that but it's what they represent 10 15 years down the line um when people like me and there are some like me i believe but who are a lot younger i'm looking at one of them now by the way who i think will be a lincoln city geek in his later life um, that's Charlie. Yeah, just without just without the printed media, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would one hundred percent be up for. I I love the idea, and I am all for the idea. It's just that personally, it's not something that I can necessarily get involved in. But I definitely agree with you that many people, if that is very much what you're into, definitely should. Yeah, I, yeah, without a doubt, and it's important. In the printed media is important. It's important for preserving history. So that's the Thirty West podcast. Episode 260, done, dusted and in the can. It was a little bit of a ropey start from me, getting games mixed up and making a few mistakes, a little bit like the Accrington game. The first half wasn't great, but I really feel we came on song in the second half. Um, and I didn't get beaten, actually. I won twice uh, at, uh, at Burridge against uh, Charlie, who's rolling his eyes right now. As always, we've had an awful lot of fun. Please like, subscribe, do all of the stuff that Ben always asks you to do because he understands it more than me. All that's really important to us is that you do listen, you do watch, you do engage. Um, and obviously, if you want to, if you see us out and about on Saturday and you've, you've got something positive to say or nice to say, come and see us. If you've got to come, come over and have a go, just just keep it for a while because we're going to be full of Christmas cheer. You've been great. We've been great. Up the imps. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.